Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Drew Heatley and welcome to this special episode of the pod, something a little bit different for the international break. You might be wondering why you're listening to me and not Sammy, Jack or George. And that's because today is a special writer's room edition of Fulhamish, where as the editor of the Fulhamish website, I thought it'd be a nice idea to sit down with some of our best and brightest writers and have a wider conversation about the wonderful world of FFC. And what a wonderful world it really is. As we take a break during this much welcome extended break, we sit 11 points clear of Bournemouth in second and we scored 90 goals and we're primed for an immediate return to the Premier League with just nine games left of this magical campaign. So today I'm delighted to be uh, sat with Fulhamish's chief football writer, Cam Ramsey. How are you doing, Cam? Not too bad, Drew. Not too bad, mate. Covid aside, we're getting there. Ah, oh, it's a savage. It gets everyone in the end, mate. It gets everyone in the end. And I've also got Fulhamish writer and reporter for the Daily Star, Reese Daly. All right, Reese. Hi, Drew. Yeah, yeah, great. Thanks, yeah. Excellent. And I'm super happy to say we're also joined by Fulhamish regular and reporter for The Sun, Isabel Barker. Hi, Izzy. Thanks so much for having me on this special episode, Drew. No problem at all. Hopefully uh, we're going to cover some some fun stuff today. So... Uh, with there being no game for a while, guys, uh, we have the opportunity to freewheel a little here and take stock of what's been so far a season for the ages. Um, and it's one that's about to, to reach its crescendo when we get back. Uh, we're we're going to have the run-in. I think it's safe. It's, I think it's okay to call it the run-in now. We're just nine games left, uh, and it's about to get really exciting. So, Iz, I'd like to start with you. Actually, um, what's the what's the feeling around the national press at the moment as it relates to Fulham? Um, it's a, it's so exciting to be a fan and a journalist because Fulham are really making the headlines. You know, I've had a number of big stories make the front page of our pullout, you know, the back pages, like breaking records and scoring that many goals just catches so many eyes. And obviously everyone's talking about Mitrovic, Fabio Carvalho was probably the most talked about transfer. Everyone just thinks we're going to go up. So fingers crossed. So it's just a, a, a really good feeling. And it's been great for me because I've been involved in so much of the coverage um, and, you know, getting the ABBA chant on the front cover of goals was really exciting. And I think we haven't had this such big coverage before, you know, we really are breaking records and really catching eyes. And we are featuring in papers and the back pages of, of newspapers and of broadcasters more than we ever have before. So it's super exciting. Absolutely. And and Reese, I mean, what's the, what's the mood like around the Daily Star HQ? Yeah, I mean, there's always been a connection with Fulham, really, with the Star. We, there's always reporters who are desperate to get down to the cottage. And this season, it's been so loud that it's almost gone quiet. Cause it's at the same level the whole way through. We're, we're sort of flying. Everyone's now waiting for it to just be get to them last few games. Where Where is it going to be when we do get promoted? 
in terms of I, I, the fan side of it, I think people are really annoyed at us and jealous, which I really like. I'm really liking that this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, everybody is uh, convinced we're going up. And obviously, I think you'd be uh, crazy to say at this point that we aren't. But what about next term? How, is anyone sort of talking about next term already? Are we getting written off by any of the press pack? Or are they falling into that recency bias trap? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question because that is what everyone's talking about now because we have been so good. We have been so dominant in the championship. You know, Mitro's doing what he does best in the championship. So everyone's like, oh, it's a given. You're going to go up. But are you going to stay up now? And obviously, you know, when there's whispers that we're going to be losing one of our most prized assets like Fabio Carvalho, can we do it with the squad that we have? Can Marco Silva prove the critics wrong? You know, he's got a point to prove as well, having been at Watford and Everton and he really wants to do it in the Prem. So it's like... Can Fulham stop yo-yoing? Can Marco Silva do it as a Premier League manager? Can Mitrovic do it as a striker in the Prem? Will we, I don't know, be able to replace Carvalho? So I think everyone's really excited and intrigued to see what happens if Fulham do go up. Absolutely. I think it's safe to say that though it's really great at the moment when we when we go up, uh, I think there's work to do. And uh, Cam, for those who haven't read your positives and negatives series on the Fulhamish website, that you've had a particular problem with uh, one Anthony Robinson so far this season. For those who haven't been a regular reader of your, your column, can you let us know what your problem was with Anthony Robinson and who do we replace him with if that's an area that you think we need to look at next year? Well, I, I don't try to have a problem with any player, really. Um, it's just the fact that every time I watch him play, he's vastly underwhelming and he completely drops clang- clangers um, whenever he features in play. Uh, he's just a really, really disconcerting player, um, but also one which has, has the ability to really switch on, you know, um, 100% every single, every well, some games anyway. Um, I can't really put my finger on it. He's more of a sprinter than he is a football player, definitely. He's, he's, he's a certain athlete. He just lacks so much footballing ability. And, you know, I think he needs educating on his uh, on his duties in the department role a little bit more. You know, I I seem to reserve a place for him in my articles in the negatives. I don't do this deliberately. It's just uh, It just seems to be a bit of a running gag at the moment. Like I say, it's not something that I necessarily set out to... Uh, to do or achieve every time I write. I just find him such an odd person to watch play football. So, yeah, uh, like I say, um, just, a, just a really, really strange, strange uh, left-back, if you can call him such. And if we were to get promoted next, well, we are definitely going to get promoted. If we, you know, are looking for replacements, Joe Bryan doesn't really cut the mustard. Um, obviously, there's muted kind of, um, you know, clamour for Ziad Larrakesh to make a step up into first-team matters, but that certainly won't happen in the Premier League, I don't feel. Um, so your guess is as good as mine, really. Anything can happen in the transfer window in the summer. So just have to keep our, um, our ears to the ground to see what rumours rumors emerge in the press, really. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Reese, when you're at work, do you, do you listen to the whispers going around and the, you know, does anyone have any insider knowledge on who uh, Fuller might be looking at next term? I know a lot of people are talking about making Nico Williams permanent at the moment, but there, there are always rumours not far around uh, from Craven Cottage. Yeah, there's always talk, isn't there? I think at the moment it's very much get the job done before you start looking forward. It's, it's a dangerous thing to start planning deals and not have it fully under our belts, that promotion. Uh, and, and things always change, don't they? So I look at the relegated teams, there's bound to be players crop up from there. I think, yeah, Nico Williams and Carvalho at the moment are going to be priorities, whether they're loans again next season. I think Liverpool are keen to keep a good relationship with us now. So there's a good avenue there. Apart from that, yeah, there's going to have to be a lot of change, isn't there? 
Cam's already mentioned it in the defence. Um, going forward, I think we're all right. Maybe it's Cabano's turn to get a, get a full, full slog at the Premier League. Mitrovic again. It's, it's hard to pinpoint right now where the changes need to be, I think, apart from the defence. Um, and as again, things are all changing in the summer. So get that promotion sorted and then the club will start looking at who needs to come in and how much money we're going to spend as well. We've, we've had two different approaches in the last two promotions and maybe somewhere in the middle is, is where we need this time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is as well, you know, being around uh, all of the different Sun journalists, did you ever hear any sort of whispers or anything uh, you, you don't want to name your sources but might be able to share with us? Um, not at the minute. I think everyone was so crazed about the Fabio Carvalho deal and everyone wanted to be the first person that had the latest update on that, that everyone kind of got um, focused on that. And just from being a journalist, like from, I can give you a bit of insight in terms of obviously how that was working when obviously still now with Fabio Carvalho, my, my editors and stuff are like, you know, you need to be on that that story you need to give us all the updates on that so that's probably the main one we're looking at as journalists still you know how that's progressing what would what the deal would look like with Liverpool um um but that's that's probably the main one at the minute nothing no whispers that I've heard that I can tip you off about at the minute but um Fulham everyone wants to know the latest with Fulham particularly I think it's a really exciting one to know who's coming in and out um and yeah, obviously Mitrovic is a big one too but I can safely say that I've not heard any whispers that he because we did see, I don't know how much truth there was in this, but someone said on social media that Mitro said, or maybe he'd, as a joke, said he'd like to go to Chelsea or something in the club shop. But I definitely have, haven't had anything along those sorts. I know West Ham used to be quite keen on Mitrovic. David Moyes is a big fan of him. Obviously, they've got, they're have got they looking for a striker quite um, to, to fill in when Antonio's injured and things like that. But I, I think the Mitrovic link with West Ham's gone kind of cold. So... Yeah, I'll give you updates when I can. Yeah, West Ham interested in Mitrovic. I mean, I'm interested in getting a six-pack, but I mean, I think the chances are pretty slim. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll leave that one there. But uh, speaking of Mitro, Reese, obviously you, uh, you've been following his journey, his record-breaking season really closely uh, on your Twitter account. And also uh, a lot of your pieces this year have been, uh, you know, almost odes to the man himself. Uh, you know, can he can he do it next season? Do, do you think he can? And what, what needs to happen for him to fire on all cylinders, pun intended? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely he can. Yeah, I mean, the first first season we had of him in the Premier League, he scored 11 goals and that gets forgetting about. It doesn't doesn't fit the narrative. There's nothing nothing wrong with 11 goals, that's for sure. Um, obviously, last season, the star went out the window, really. Parker, for good, for bad, most of the time, sacrificed the style to get more more running bodies in and it just didn't fit Mitro. And bless him, he tried his best in some of them games where he was trying to do do the hard yards, but it just wasn't. It didn't. It didn't suit him, and then he had less energy when he might have got chances in the box. I think just plays for his strengths. He's that good. He's that good. He can go and get you fifteen, sixteen goals, and that will be enough to to keep you in the division. I think before around about the time Mitrovic came in, I probably hit a bit of a roadblock in terms of feeling like the players didn't care enough. Um, especially before Slavisa came in, thinking who actually loves Fulham wants to play for Fulham. You see, there's probably a players every club in the Premier League that you think they, they you know they love that club, they don't want to go anywhere. And Mitrovic has been the trailblazer, especially for me as a fan, seeing him on the pitch thinking he's all about Fulham. He doesn't care about any whispers. No, there's no danger in my mind thinking that he's going to try and force a move, not at all. He's, he's more than happy in London with his family and he can see that everyone there is, is there to cheer him. So we need to go into the Premier League and play to his strengths and if it doesn't work out then 
at least we gave it a go. That, that's that's my mindset of it now. There's, there's, if, if he's not playing to his best, keep playing him. He's uh, He is the new Mr. Fulham and yeah, I love him. I don't think you can tell, but I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's a special player and one that I think, will, you know, it will be when he's gone, uh, we'll look back. Uh, Cam, I want to try and put you on the spot here, mate. Uh, what, uh, is he going to break the 42 goal Whittingham record? And if he does, what game is he going to do it in? Uh, well, he's looked really jaded the last couple of weeks. So I think this uh, international break, even though he's away with Serbia, I believe, may have come round at the right time for him in terms of uh, club prospectus, um, you know, breaking that that, um, that coveted guy Whittingham 42 goal um, benchmark which he's trying to reach. I think he def- I think he's definitely got a chance. You know, what's he stuck on 35 goals at the moment, uh, nine games to go, which we already know. Uh, he can easily bag, you know, a couple of hat-tricks in that time if he's uh, firing all cylinders and hungry to uh, cause defensive problems like he always is. Um I can't really, really put my finger on when that's going to happen. Uh, I, I feel he's one of those strikers which can switch on in a couple of games, and you know, by the time even <laughs> even Coventry comes around, for example, at home, he could have well, he could have well exceeded that forty-two goal mark. Even you just don't know with Mitrovic. Like I say, I mean, he's a high prolific striker, one which can certainly, well, he already has. Uh, you know, forge, forge new records this season and is in a class of his own. So we just have to see. Um, but I have no doubt in my mind that he's got, you know, Whittingham's, uh, he's got Whittingham's long-standing record in the back of his mind and he will look to um, surpass that come the end of the season. And if it comes up a couple of games to go, then uh, so be it. Yeah, I think uh, I think Mitro is such a. If you're not a Fulham fan, it's difficult to put to put it into words. But he's consistent yet streaky, and he could be uh, still on 35 with four games of the season left to go. And I'd be confident he'd bag seven in four to get it on the final day. So, you know, it really is uh, an interesting one. There's all to play for. Time for a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk about what it's like to cover Fulham for a national paper, and we'll touch on why we've become a little bit of a soft touch when it comes to keeping our very best players. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. I'm here with Cam Ramsey, Reese Daly and Izzy Barker. So, Isabel, you've had actual spreads in the Sun newspaper concerning Fulham, covering Fulham. You said, you know, front back, uh, front of the book goals pull out, uh, back page. I mean, firstly, <clears throat> is, is that super weird? Like, I think the first time I was in a press box um, covering Fulham was when we were playing Leeds and it was championship season. We both went up. And it was so surreal. It was so special. It was honestly, I didn't play it cool at all. I was so excited. Um, My dad saw me in the press box because he usually sits in the Johnny Haynes stand just behind the media bit. 
Um, and so he took a picture of me. Like it was just, I was just loving every moment. And we actually won. It was a really good game. It was around Christmas time. I think it was about 2-1 and there was a controversial penalty. And after the game, I just was just, I don't know what came over me, but I saw Scott Parker. And I just sort of screamed at him. <laughs> I don't know what I said to him, but I was just like, ah! <laughs> I was just like so starstruck by the wall. And because behind the scenes, the players come out for their cool down and you kind of can catch a player and you can have an interview with them. And they just were huge. They're really tall. Mitrovic was huge. And Tom Kenny just seemed quite big as well. And I was just like, wow, it's amazing. And, and um, Scott Parker was going up to the cottage as well. But yeah, it is really weird. And seeing, um, how, getting Fulham on the front pages of things is just so nice because I think without fans like us at Papers, we wouldn't be getting such good coverage um, and getting them on front pages and things like that. But yeah, it's great. I love it. And how, how do you keep your bias in check when you're writing a piece? Um, is it easier when we're doing so well? Um, I'm, I'm actually quite bad at it and I've definitely learned to get better at it because um, I remember I was reporting on Fulham Crystal Palace when we were in the Premier League last and I just realised how much I was talking about Fulham, even though we were doing so badly. Like, I really made it a Fulham angle. And I was talking about Roy Hodgson because he was manager at the time. And I was like, whoa, is he? Like, you need to, you know, rethink and put your journalist head on. So I've definitely tried to get better at it. And I think with, like, the last time I reported at a game, it was the Blackpool-Fulham game. So I really had to, um, you know, try, include Blackpool in it, even because we actually played quite badly. But it, it is hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, uh, especially when next year when we're not going to be doing quite so well, it might be uh, tough not to tell, say that everyone's crap, <laughs> which, <laughs> which might be the case. Um, and, and, and is there anyone in the fabled uh, British press pack that has a soft spot for the Whites? I, I think quite. A, I think a lot of people like Fulham. Fulham are quite trendy. I think um, I interviewed Jackie Oatley once, and she's she likes Fulham because I think her first was it her first match of the day appearance was a. Um, was at Craven Cottage or she was the first female to commentate on a on a game or something like that. It was really amazing and it was at Fulham. So they hold a, a special place in her heart. But I think that everyone's got a soft spot for Fulham, really. They're hard not to like. A trendy London club, a few celeb fans. You know, we've had Margot Robbie at the ground and people like that. So quite a lot of journalists like us, I think, and they secretly want us to go up and do well. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, that's probably fair. Uh, some of my favourite anecdotes during in, uh, international tournaments is uh, when all the reporters talk about who, uh, who they played darts with in the England team. Um, I want to know from you guys, who do you reckon in our squad would be the best at uh, throwing the old darts? Uh, Reese, what do you reckon? Oh, wow. Um, interesting. Maybe go for the Welsh boys. Maybe they'd be inspired by Gowen Price and your Johnny Clayton's. Maybe Nico Williams and, and Harry Wilson can throw a few darts. Um, Harrison Reed, I could I could see him being at the darts with Joe Bryan, maybe. I was yeah, trying to yeah. think of someone. I was trying to think of some who's our biggest, who could be our biggest drinker and our fattest player. But then I was like, no, I can't say that because I'd probably offend someone. But yeah, yeah probably <laughs> probably the Welsh boys. I'd have to agree on that one as well. They're probably quite good drinkers deep down as well, and probably would secretly like a pint at the pub. So yeah, I'd, I'd say those two as well. Young lads, eh? There must be Ken. What about you? I don't know. I think uh, someone with a composed head. So I'd probably say Harrison Reed. Actually, I don't know whether there's any, any real avid darts players in the squad at all, but he looks like somebody that has a keen eye potentially for it. So yeah, Harrison Reed maybe. I have I was heard. Say- um, 
I have heard that apparently Mitrovic is good at everything. Like, he's literally good at everything. Anything yeah. he picks up, any weird little thing they do. Um, Tom Kenny was saying Mitro is just jammy and good at everything. So maybe he would just pick it up and be good at it. That that sounds like, you know, that we've all had that one mate who's just excellent in everything. I um, I was going to say myself, Harrison Reed Cam, I think uh, there was a, uh, Tosin posted an Insta story today where he's trying to, he was trying to get at Harrison Reed for his for his get up in the, at Mosper Park, and he just looks at him and he's like, "What? It, what? We're at work. It's not a fashion show." And he just oh, said I it like, that so well. calmly. Yeah, you just think he's all business, isn't he? He's not messing around. I like that. <laughs> um, so, Reese, uh, you recently published a piece of Mark Schwarzer uh, where he was detailing how uh, we blocked his move to Arsenal in 2012. Um, I think we all knew it happened at the time, but some of the colour that he put around it, like Mark Hughes ghosting him pre-season, uh, some of that was new to me. You know, how how have we gone from that to being such a soft touch uh, when it comes to transfers? Yeah, it was it was really interesting. I actually um, I met Mark Schwarzer once, and I asked him about Fulham. I think I took him a bit by surprise. I don't think it's what people usually ask him when he was, you know, he was at Leicester when they won the league and Chelsea. Um, but I asked him, and, and he wasn't immediately. It took him a while to warm up to um, talking about his time at Fulham because so I do think this this one incident, you know, we blocked him from going to Arsenal. I, I don't think it might stick in his mind. I think he was coming to the end of his career, and he, he didn't know that Chelsea move would come afterwards. Um, so yeah, we were asking for ten million um, from Arsenal, which he said um, no one was ever going to pay for him. <laughs> and there was a story about how we we wanted. Shay Given, and if it, if he didn't get Shay Given, then he had to stay, and Shay Given didn't want to come, so Mark Schwartz ended up staying. But um, yeah, looking looking forward since then, I think it's usually it's it's the younger players that's been on our minds recently, as we've not been able to keep them. But there have been incidents, you know, with with Dempsey, we're obviously desperate to keep him, and nothing we could really do at the end of it. And Dembele as well, you can't really stand in their way. I think maybe Brian Riz is one which sticks out as we were, did manage to keep him for longer than maybe he would have liked. But as I say, the young players are the ones that stick in the minds. I think Session and Patrick Roberts are the ones that, you know, we got the money for. They're the ones we, we did end up get, getting good deals for. But looking back, um, Moussa Dembele, uh, Emerson Heinemann, Harvey Elliott, probably Fabio Carvalho now as well, you do wonder what's the sticking point to keep them at Fulham. What's the reason that they're going to choose to stay? I feel like the club will be looking at this because there's hundreds of millions of lost talent gone there in theory that, that the club has just gone into thin air. Um, one one that happened quite early on, it was different circumstances actually because I think Martin Yard was quite happy for him to go, but the Karim Fry move, that, that still hurts. That still hurts. I think he he wanted to stay and it didn't quite work out like that. But as I say, the club you're looking at it, I think it's the two-year professional deals these youngsters get, don't they? And they, it's the perfect amount of time for them to be have done enough at this level to, to get the next move, but they're not, it's not too soon for them yet. So if it's about giving them longer deals, um, securing loan backs in, in any agreement we do, maybe that's, maybe that's the way forward. But I think you're right, Joe. We have become a little bit of a soft touch and clubs will recognise that going forward. And... They're not going to start tapping up the players. There's obviously very strict rules around that. But there's something we need to do to make sure if we're not keeping them for another few years in their development, then we're getting paid the amount they're worth. Absolutely. And Cam, do you uh, do you think that we can do the unthinkable and keep Fabio in the summer? Or does that even matter? Do you think, you know, are there replacements out there? Um, 
And are there any other players in this squad that you think we're going to have a bit of a tug of war on our hands uh, for uh, come come May? Yeah, I'd I'd love to see Fabio uh, stay at the club, of course, like we all would. But it does look increasingly likely he's going to leave in the summer, regardless. Um, you know of of what offers may actually come in. Liverpool look like the front runners, of course. Um, and you know, mirroring what Reese says, definitely a loan back clause would be worthwhile. I think for Fabio, Liverpool, and Fulham for all parties. Um, I don't really think there's um, too much incentive for Fabio to stay. If you see what I mean, like on the permanent basis, I do think you know if he's going to make his move, he does it this season, and he, he does come back on on a temporary basis to SW six. But we do have options, you know, coming through at youth level. Everyone loves Sonny Hilton. Um, you know, there's, there's for me, there's, there's a real plethora of young talent at Motspur Park, which is just raring to make the step up into uh, first-team football. Um, and you've only got to look so far, uh, you know, as, as, as to the achievements which which they've attained this, this season in particular. I mean, Steve Wigley's boys... Um, they they secured their title with 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 a handful of games to go. You know they they, they were running away over at the top of their division, and I believe now they're in the the, the top brass of the PL two or some something like that in their age group. You know the under twenty threes are flying, um, so we're obviously pulling through. You know the cream of the crop around the area. So I don't think losing Fabio will be the big or an end all for the club. But you can't deny that he's been a massive, massive impact player for us this season. Um, and he's really come on leaps and bounds. So, of course, it'd be sad to see him go. Um, to you know, further the point, I, I think there'll be a few clubs out there which will be you know, angling, having their eye on Tossin. I think Tossin's a player that has a lot of ability and is still growing as a centre-half as well as 24 years of age. Really strong on the ball. He's a composed head. You can see him now. He's developing his leadership skills and he's uh, rallying the tr- troops from the back. So he's got, for me, a ready, uh, almost a ready-made leader in, in, in you know, in, in his um, skill sets. Um, of course, we're always going to have the uh, possibility of Mitro being picked up or, you know, muted rumours of Mitro moving on to another club. I just think he's going to be that player given the season which he's, which he's had, which is going to pick up a lot of interest regardless of where it's from. Um, other than that, I think that we've got a worthy squad of players which have reached their level now. So I don't necessarily feel that they're going to be pulled away from the club because I think you know, Marcus Silva's built a comfortable squad environment for them to thrive. But we'll see. As, as I've already alluded to, anything can happen in the transfer window. If, if a substantial offer comes in for any player, I'm sure the club will listen to it because at the end of the day, you know, it is a business, isn't it? And the club needs to make money. And if we have the right replacements in place, early doors and not leaving it to the last minute like we usually do when we get to the Premier League, I'm sure we'll be okay, whatever happens. Fair enough. Um, the, you know, the, you mentioned Tosin. There's that uh, again. West Ham always floating around, and there's that ten million clause and this little tiny window, and and that is. I don't know. Does anyone know when that window opens and closes? The Tosin exclusive Tosin window. Does anyone know anything about that? <laughs> now until September. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, if there was one, then we shouldn't let West Ham know. We should. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not tell them when the window is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody, please keep quiet. 
Excellent. Well, uh, that's enough for part two. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the positives and some of the few negatives of this campaign. And we're going to relive some of our writers' early pieces uh, that might make them cringe. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. I'm joined by Isabel Barker, Reese Daly and Cam Ramsey. Cam, we touched on it earlier, but your uh, positives and negatives series uh, really has been the highlight of the season for me. They're uh, on the Fulhamish website after every game, usually within 24 hours. You you really hustle to get those ones out, uh, you know, particularly with, uh, you know, considering your job is not to be a full-time reporter. And obviously you take a slightly uh, a different approach by separating the positives and the negatives. Uh, you know, I think sometimes that quite it's quite tough, especially when we're winning games seven nil. But uh, you know, I think you I think you do it masterfully. What I want to know, mate, is uh, what are your top positives and uh, top negatives so far for this season? Well, I think the positives of self-explanatory. You've got a striker in Alexander Mitrovic, which is bang in form, thirty-five goals this season, and is easily the most deadly striker in Europe, surpassing even the likes of Lewandowski and his goal-scoring tally. Albeit in the Championship, it's still something to be really proud of. Um, I, I, I really, really adore the way that Marcus Silva's come into a pretty problem situation at the beginning of the season, not really knowing where where the club is uh, going to end up after another relegation for the Premier League. But he seems to have brought in the right people behind uh, behind closed doors with Lewis Bowen-Morto coming into the coaching staff as well. And we just seem to be playing some really positive, pragmatic football um, amid some quite drab, droll performances, uh, give or take. It's going to happen to any squad. But on the whole, absolutely uh, enthralling football from the Whites. Um, I think the way that this this season in particular, Tim Ream, for me, after being a a bit of a lost cause at the beginning of the season, people wrote him off, such you know I did as well. I think that he's really uh, taken it in his stride to become a leader this season again. The, the loan acquisition, Nico Williams. I mean, who could complain with that? He's been a revelation since he joined from Liverpool and has really enlivened the right side with Harry Wilson as well, and. Another one which probably doesn't get spoken about a lot is Marek Rodak as well. With Paolo Gazzaniga coming into the squad, he he could have, uh, you know, his confidence could have really taken a beating and he could have just thought, oh, here we are again being a number two to a well-established goalkeeper that's just come from Tottenham. But no, he's, he's buttoned down a starting place and uh, he's helping us hold quite a, quite a healthy goal difference as well. So he's got to be applauded and commended for that. Negatives... Well, there hasn't really been too many negatives, to be quite honest with you. Obviously, we've had a couple of howling losses. Uh, the worst game I've ever seen in my life was um, at Coventry City away. It was pouring cats and dogs all day. It was a 4-1 loss and it was the most dejected I've seen a Fulham side play, despite the fact that we've actually seen some of the best football this season under Marco Silva. That was atrocious. Um the left-back conundrum, of which I love to um, poke and prod every single week. Joe Bryan isn't good enough. Anthony Robinson isn't good enough. So where do we go next season? We just look so vulnerable along the left defensively. Um, other than that, like I say, I can't really pinpoint any more negatives. I, I, I feel, on the whole, we've been a steady, obviously... We we are too good for this for this for this level. I feel and we're going to run out champions without without a doubt. But off the top of my head, that's that's all I can come up with regarding the positives and negatives. Is just carry on the way we are and hopefully Anthony Robertson ups his game. 
<laughs> no, absolutely. You talk about that Coventry game, and I was just trying to look there at uh, you know when we won Division One, uh, you know twenty twenty odd years ago. Were there any sort of nadirs like that game, that Coventry game, where uh, we we got a bit of a pacing? And off the top of my head, I just can't, I just can't remember any. Um, so it is an interesting, it is an interesting uh, blot on the copybook. But uh, you know, we won't dwell, we won't dwell on that. Uh, Reese, have you got a positive and a negative for me? My positive is always Mitrovic, to be honest. You know, you know what? My positive will be Harry Wilson. I feel like when he came in, I was supremely confident that he would fit right into this team. I think we've seen him in the Championship. I thought he was very impressive in the Premier League as well at Bournemouth. Um, I thought he'd fit the system perfectly, and he has. He's got 10 goals and can't think of how many assists. Is it? He's not too far off his head, is it? It's, 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 he's... he's um, He's done exactly what we've expected of him. And the fact there was all the talk again about the transfer fee, which was obviously not completely accurate because it's it's r- rumours of an initial loan and he's not actually a permanent yet and all these sorts of things. But um, Harry Wilson, for me, has been spot on. And, one, and a position now where when we go up, we don't need to replace that position. Um, so it's th- 13 assists, 13 assists he's got, which is... Wow. Even more okay. than I'd I'd expected of him, yeah. More than I remember, more than I remember as well. Yeah, excellent. What about negative? Oh, negative. I think the negative for me is a sentimental one, and it would be Tim Ream because for how good he's been in the championship, there's not many. I don't think there's any championship defenders I'd swap Tim Ream for. I thought you know exactly what you're getting for him every week, and on the negative would be when you go up. I'm not sure there is a slot. I think. Tim Ream is one of the players where we he's had a fair crack. He's had a fair crack at that the league, and but I would never want him to leave. I'd never want him to leave the club. I feel like he's done so much for us. And this, if it's a third promotion, then you know he's a legend. How many appearances he's got? It's, you know, it's, it's hundreds, isn't it? So the negative would be what happens to Tim if you do go up. But keep him on. Keep him on. Yeah, absolutely. I did. It is. It's tinged with sadness, isn't it? It's almost like the case of old Yeller. You know, he's going to be taken out the back at the end of the season and put out of his misery. And, uh, you know, we've all said at the beginning, you know, next year he can't do it in the prem. We can't do it. But like the longer we go on and the more you just remember that he is an absolute ledge, you just think, oh, could he? But he, but who knows? I don't know. You never know in football, but it gets sadder the, the closer we get uh, for me. Um, and is what do you reckon? Um, my positives would be the fact that we aren't reliant on um, just that star man like Alexander Mitrovic. You know, we've had so many players that are close to 10 goals and 10 assists. You know, there's a reason there's that Abba song. You know, we've got Cabano, Wilson, um, obviously Carvalho as well. You know, so many players um, chipping into this goal fest of a season that it's just been so nice to watch us, you know. I'm not having those, you know, heart in mouth moments where I'm thinking, oh God, are we going to, how, how's this game going to turn out? And we're going to lose a lead and things like that. It just, it's been really enjoyable to to go to the likes of, oh, actually, the, the away games I've been to haven't been that great. But I remember, um, it was at Birmingham, Bristol City at home, uh, really fun games to watch. And yeah, that's been just so enjoyable as fans. You know, I just think we have to soak up every moment of the season because <laughs> it can only go downhill probably. Well, let's hope not. Um, my negative would probably be, oh, I, I sound like a bit of a moan, but it may be our atmosphere because I've been to, I've been traveling around of a lot of um, EFL grounds this season and 
sometimes I get goosebumps at how good their fans are. And it really made me think, God, we need to improve our atmosphere at, at Craven Cottage. You know, we are so quiet. You know, there's a really good chance. We just need to get them going. Uh, definitely a few things that could be improved. Clappers, things like that. I guess they're all we talked about. But I would hope that, you know, we really make Craven Cottage a a funner, more exciting place for away fans to come to because it is such a beautiful ground. It's so historic, but um, we just need that noise and that atmosphere now to go with it um, when we are in the Premier League, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting one, isn't it? It's just, it's the age old question and who knows how to how to do it. I mean, uh, Farrell put on uh, the Fulhamish website, he had an article about safe standing and how that, uh, you know, if that's implemented, you know, maybe that will boost the atmosphere. I mean, ultimately it comes down to you know, just having a bit more adrenaline and a bit more get up and go, doesn't it? I mean, you know, the guys at the back of H5, the the the, the, the little pocket of noise there, we need that and we need it bigger. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's true. You know, you do see it. I remember being at uh, Hillsborough a couple of seasons ago and they're just, they're just particularly loud as well, vociferous. And you'd love it. You'd just love it to be the icing on the, on the cake uh, at Fulham. But. Yeah, I guess I guess with us it's it's a difficult one because people call us what like we go to Waitrose, we eat Victoria Sponge or whatever. And then I went to Sheffield United and they're singing about greasy chip butties and it just sounds better. Like they just sound it works better. So maybe it's the kind of fans that are going, but I have to say I did think their fans did sound good, but yeah, maybe we can get more of an atmosphere going. Um, yeah, and get a bit louder, get those pockets throughout. But to be fair, maybe I'm not the best one to call, to mention it because I'm in the Johnny Haynes stand and it's like the old man stand with my dad because I'm keeping my dad company. So maybe it's better in other places. <laughs> we'll have to improve on the pitch and off the pitch in the summer. All right, so to uh, as we're sort of winding down here, um, I asked you guys to dig out uh, some of your, or one piece that you wrote, one of the first pieces you wrote about Fulham, uh, published or unpublished. And oh, I did that because I want to sort of dip into a random snapshot of years gone by, um, but I also really wanted to see some opinions that might not have aged well, might have aged like some vinegar. And uh, I'm really interested to see what you guys have come up with. Um, so Cam, I'll start with you. What did you find? Uh, what is it? What was it about? Uh, and is there anything in there that you look back and you think, "Oh, that wasn't the that wasn't the hot take I thought it was." Well, I'll um, I'll start. I mean, I've, I've delved back into the archives on the uh, Flemish WordPress, and I'm surprised because I've actually written around about 207 articles for Ish over the five years or so. I've obviously uh, been affiliated with such an establishment. And it's about Stephanie Hansen. It's uh, called Class and Creativity in Kearney's Absence. Now, this was written just after he scored the winner against QPR at Loftus Road, which sent uh, the away stand into raptures. Um, I don't think it's aged badly. I think he was an excellent custodian to the club when he was there. And obviously he is with QPR now. So it kind of uh, adds a little bit of a sweetener when I read this back to see the pain he inflicted upon the home, the home set of fans, which he now tries to impress every single week. Um, am I able to read a tiny little uh, snippet from it? Please, this, is, this is the writer's room, mate. The floor is yours. Okay, wonderful. Well, in that case, I'll, I shall begin. Right. Queen's Park Rangers were gunning to burst Fulham's bubble after their emphatic victory in Nottingham. And with the hoops stuttering domestically themselves, Ian Holloway's contingent had a point to prove against their fierce local counterparts on their home patch. The spectating hordes at Loftus Road were waiting eagerly with bated breath for a piece of magic, with the scoreline dangling 1-0 precariously in the White's favour. 
A moment to ignite the encounter in the final phases of the tie. One of the probing, one of the probing clubs, I beg your pardon, was gifted the opportunity to lift the roof in the 85th minute. Arise, Sir Johansson. Finding a pocket of space on the perimeter of QPR's penalty area, the Norwegian midfielder composed himself, looked Alex Smithies in the eyes and dispatched a low, pinpointed effort into the bottom right corner of the goal. As the net bulged, 2,600 or so jittery Fulham fans entered a state of sheer euphoria. They were tuned up and Lodiars did manage to notch a goal of their own in the, in, in the second of the nine additional minutes through Connor Washington. Johansson's ruthless, Kearney-esque intelligence with the goal at his mercy ultimately gave his club the bragging rights and supremacy with a glorious 2-1 victory. Yet again, away from Craven Cottage. And uh, we'll end it there, I think. Oh, that is... That is mag- that is magnificent. I've always wondered. I've always wondered what uh, what Cam's pieces would sound like with the man himself narrating. That's like an audio book. Nasally, really nasally. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there were heady days as well. Heady days. I love that. Um, <laughs> Reese, uh, did you manage to find something? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and um, I've been I've tripped myself up in the past. I'm just writing from the heart, and it's gone terribly. I mean, even earlier this season, there was. Ivan Cavallero scored a couple of goals and I suddenly thought he was going to be the next Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, he hasn't turned out to be the next Ronaldo. Um, but uh, yeah, going back to the past, I wrote a story. It was November 2nd, 2015. And we'd just beaten Redden and Bristol City and scored four in both of the games. Uh, we were four points off the playoffs, uh, sitting in 10th, but that was the highest we'd been for a while. So I'll read you a little bit of that. Um, Fast forward six months and Fulham are a totally different animal. With some astute summer signings and the transition of former youth players into first-team regulars, they now look like the most complete side Fulham have had since dropping into the second tier. And I'll fast forward again because I wrote a piece the week after. um, And a lot changed in that week. A lot changed. (laughs) Uh, We got beaten 3-1 at Burnley and one of the worst Fulham performances I've ever seen. We were battered 5-2 at home by Birmingham. And all of a sudden, the four points off the playoffs had turned to eight. And we were now closer to the relegation zone. And of course, they sacked Kit Simons that week <laughs> after I'd been raving about our playoff hopes. So I'll, write, I'll read you a bit of that one. Um, so writing an article last week, the future of Fulham Football Club looked the brightest it had been in a long time. Despite this, and despite the sacking of their fourth manager in less than three seasons, there are still many reasons to be positive. All things considered, Fulham can now look for a manager to take them up the table rather than over their shoulders. And despite the tenure of Simons not being an out-and-out success, fans can look back on his Fulham career with fond memories. So I salvaged it in a way, but I mean, it aged very quickly, very horribly. <laughs> I like how you glossed over yeah, the fact that last week it was uh, yeah, with a charge up the table. Uh, oh, Kit Simons, yeah. he had he had a horrible job, didn't he? And I I, I respect him <laughs> for the job that he did because it was he was handed a turd, wasn't he? It's a fickle game, isn't it? Football, it's a fickle game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, is what did what did you manage to dig out of the archives? So I um, had a little blog called. <laughs> So embarrassing. It was called, <laughs> this is actually so cringy. I don't think anyone has ever read this blog before. It's called Live by the Rig- River Blog One. And <laughs> some of the old pieces were just so bad. They were just reports that were just awful. But I actually found, this must have been from about 2018. 
and this is when Arsenal beat us 5-1. Um, but I actually backed, my, I backed myself a little bit on what I said. Um, so I picked three reasons why we were so bad. I said an inconsistent 11, poor defence, and we miss our captain. But I'll read a little bit from the start. I said, as Dad and I took our seats in the Johnny Haynes stand, you can tell my writing was really bad at the time, by the way. Uh, definitely just, it's grown, I've got developed over the years. The team sheet was announced. Once again, Slavisa had made changes to the starting 11. Cyrus Christie, Lemachan, and replaced injured duo Joe Bryant and Timothy Fosumensa. The 100 million spent during summer bolstered our squad with new talent, but the gaffer hasn't figured out what to do with it. He's yet to suss out the best combination of players, and there's a different team every week. He's substituted on players against Arsenal who haven't even had game time in the Premier League. His hasty decision to bring on Kamara following Lacazette's second goal left us incredibly wide open at the back. The Frenchman, who was left out of the Everton clash, replaced defender Tim Ream, and unsurprisingly, he failed to make a smidge of difference, I said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, my writing has, I think I've actually been a bit of a late, late bloomer with my writing. Um, one of my reports, I said, Fulham fans left the snowy cottage in a frosty mood. Oh, <laughs> and I things love like that. that. I was trying to be really creative, but it was just shit. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. I love that. And cutting your teeth during that season as well. I mean, you know, that's a glutton for punishment, to be fair. Nobody enjoyed that. So, uh, you know, the fact that you kept with it and now I've made a career. Excellent work, because, you know, I would have given up, I think. <clears throat> uh, excellent. Um, I actually was trying to find one for myself. Uh, I remember writing a few articles for Dave Lloyd's uh, There's Only One F and Fulham, Toothless Magazine, back in the day. Yeah, Toothless Loyal. Um, but I can't. They're all print, and I could not find it under my spare bed. So uh, I digged into the emails, and I actually wrote a small piece about Mark Schwarzer for 442 Australia in 2009 so we're going further back now sorry guys uh the age coming out there and it was uh it was yeah about talking about how schwartz has been good for fulham for the for his uh his uh countrymen and women back in australia so here we go uh his commanding presence in the sticks and calming influence on the back four have ensured that no one has come close to wrestling the number one jersey from him this season so much so, casual fans were unlikely to be able to name backup keeper Pascal Zubabula, while understudy David Stockdale has been forced out on loan in search of games. Yet despite this, Schwarzer seems unable to evoke anything more than a healthy respect from fans this year. Although far from that being a bad thing, when names are touted for the, pl- the player Fulham could least afford to lose, the usual suspects of Breda Hangeland and Danny Murphy pop up. Yet no mark. Regardless, flying under the radar can be a good thing, particularly in the summer when this, despite his 36 years, Schwarzer could still walk into half of the Premier League starting 11s. There you go, a call back to Reese's there. Um, Schwarzer's consistency this season makes it tough to pick a defining moment, but the home game against West Bromwich Albion recently sums up his contribution to the team. It's a game that would have had six points written all over it a year ago. But this year, the team bossed the game. The defence was superb, with Mr Dependable comfortably saving a penalty in the last minute, securing yet another clean sheet. And you know what? The Craven Cottage crowd weren't even worried. Mark Schwarzer, our very own Wizard of Oz. Cheers! Oh, I love that. Very good, Jeff. So there we go. We've, uh, we've, all, we've all been doing this for, for a few years now, and... Uh, uh, it's some 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 different and heady days, and some some good and some not so good. 
but uh, it's interesting to to look back at the snapshots and see uh, see how the teams developed and how you guys have developed. Uh, so thank you for doing that because uh, you know we don't all, as writers. I think we all agree we hate reading our own work, especially when it's been a few years. Uh, there's nothing worse. But thank you very much. Um, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much all we've got time for today. Um, Sammy, Jack, and Peter will be back uh, later this week with another Thursday club. Looking forward to our uh, turn to action uh, in the West London derby, no less, against QPR. Uh, and so all that's left to do is to say thanks to Cam Ramsey. Absolute pleasure, Drew. Thanks very much, mate. Excellent. Cheers, Reese. Thanks for having me. No problem. And thank you very much, Izzy. Thanks so much for having me on. No worries at all. So, yep, yeah, there's nine games left. Enjoy it, guys. Uh, it's going to be a special end to the season. You must.